0: My guest on this week's Soundtracking is a truly inspirational individual. She's an actor, writer, director whose credits include Belle, A United Kingdom, Where Hands Touch and Mrs. America. Amma Asante's big break came in Grange Hill in a role that saw her invited to the White House by Nancy Reagan as part of the Just Say No anti-drugs campaign. She subsequently wrote for television before making her first feature in two thousand and four, the brilliant Away of Life. Plenty more on her career shortly, and the music that features in it. But first, a word from our friends at Grass and Co. Now, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll have heard me enthuse about them in the past, and they have very kindly given us a special offer for you. Now, Grass Co. is a premium CBD range of the finest quality. Ethically sourced CBD blended with therapeutic botanical ingredients. So, I've been using it for well over a year now, but recently I did fall out of the habit of taking drops first thing in the morning and last thing at night. I then placed a new order and started back up immediately. And I've got to say, the difference was instantaneous. I slept better, I felt less anxious, I was able to get through the day calmer and more focused. Let's be honest. In the situation we find ourselves in, who doesn't want to feel less stressed? Now, in the past, when I've tried other CBD products, I have struggled with the taste that it's left in my mouth. With grass and co and the way they blend the oil with organic botanical ingredients like ginger, turmeric, orange, ashwagandha, chamomile and mint, it makes the taste much more smooth and pretty delicious. Now, there are a number of ranges available with candles, nourishing body oils, pillow sprays to complement the consumable oil. I'm a big fan of the calm range. hundred percent natural drops, which are direct, fast acting and taste great. Grass & Co. only use the best of the best organic CBD and botanicals with products that work with your body to deliver uplifting results you can feel instantly. Grass & Co CBD oils contain no trace of THC and all the CBD products are totally legal to buy, consume and supply in the UK. Genuinely, I don't know how we would have got through lockdown as productively as I have without it. So how do you fancy getting 25% off and free shipping? All you've got to do is use the discount code SOUND at checkout and claim your 25% off the entire Grass & Co. Calm, Ease and Rest CBD ranges. So head to grassandco.com forward slash soundtracking now. And don't forget to use the discount code SOUND at checkout for the 25% off and free shipping. That's grassandco.com forward slash soundtracking Discover CBD today. Visit grassandco.com for a better day. Grass and Co, life enhanced by nature. And so to Ama. Now, it was the second time that I spent time with her in the space of a week after she joined me for a BAFTA Filmmaking Masterclass. That's where we began our conversation, which we'll get to after a cue from a United Kingdom because of us by last week's guest, Patrick Doyle. Alma, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We get to it's, do it again without a thousand people watching. I know, isn't that <laughs> What a response. Oh, my Lord. It's been great. Hasn't
1: it been great? Oh, God, Edith, it just shows how much it's
0: needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. People just... Yeah, it was amazing. You must feel amazing about kind of, yeah, just think how much you're inspired in people from the response that- I mean, I love it. and I love
1: it, it it's, but I'm also loving, and I don't know how you're feeling about this, but I, am just, I really am loving, apart from the fact that Zoom knackers me out, I'm loving the access that Zoom gives, and I, just, yeah. I don't want it to go away. I'm really worried that when things
0: maybe get back to a new normal, this will all be gone. It's like for me doing this podcast, the amount of people that I never normally get the chance to talk to because they're, you know, they're across the other side of the world or whatever. Like I literally just finished. Yeah. I spoke to Terence Blanchard today. Like, you know, who's like Spike Lee's composer. And it's like, oh my God, he was such a dude as well. And it was just like, I would never be
1: able to do that. But, But last week we had people, they were going, hi from Pakistan.
0: Yeah. Hi from, do you know what I mean? The idea that they've got access to watch you to then go, I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, make the choice. Oh, I love that you spoke to Terence Blanchard because I, I just, you know, most of his music that I know is from the Spike Lee stuff. And I yes. know he's done, you know, a load, a load as well. But yeah, he's he's one of the ones that I think about a lot. Speaking of composers, I spoke to Patrick Doyle last week. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know what we were in a previous life, but I
0: adore that man. I just adore him, so he makes me laugh. In his lovely kind of Scottish drool, I mean, I got more Scottish as I was talking to him, but he was like, <laughs> I think his words were, she's the real deal. And it was just like, oh.
1: I saw that man. And we, we used to sit there and he, he used to tell me all these stories. I love his stories. His stories that go back and he's just, he's just, he's everything. He's like, down to earth, he's industry, he's like, you know, he's, oh, he's got pedigree, he's got, he's just everything about him, is just brilliant, and God, even man can score a movie like nothing I've ever known, so yeah, I just, I had a, just a ball with him, and, and you know, I think about him often, he's just so busy, isn't he, um, that you can't get hold of him, but, but he is amazing, and that's the joy, is that you make art with these people, and, it, and it's something that you leave behind, and for that small moment in time, you can you can share something with them and have fun with them. Yeah, do you know what I mean? All at the same time, and and that's what he was. You know, you, you knew it was just for a moment in time, but it was lovely.
0: It was really lovely the other night when we were, we, you know, we talked about so much, and it was amazing because one of the messages I got back from the the bath lot was just like, I can't believe how much the pair of you got through. You know, in terms of how much there was there to give other people watching in terms of being a masterclass. But one of the things that we didn't really, we didn't talk about at all was music and about, you know, kind of scoring your films and scoring your projects and working with, with an amazing collection of, you know, of composers and some first time composers, which is a wonderful opportunity for you as a director to give someone as well. And that trust as well. And then, you know, people like Patrick who are like ingrained, you know, in terms of, of what they've already achieved. But, when you think back to, you know, A Way of Life and working with David Gray, and he'd never composed a film before, I don't think, or since, weirdly. I think, I think he might have done a little bit of music for some. Uh,
1: there was a movie that, a uh, smaller movie that well, was a small movie that came before, probably about the same size as A Way of Life. But, but certainly, I think this was his first full movie to score. I think he had written a song and it was used in a movie, and it was specifically for the movie. But this was like the first time he had scored anything. And first and foremost, I wrote The Way of Life, which was my first film, mm. to White Ladder. Wow.
2: Well- There's no rhyme.
0: So
1: basically, so I listened like day in and day out and day in. I never it never it never got old. It just never got old. It just put me where I needed to be to, to write those characters and tell that story. So I got to the end and finally got to like, I don't know, the eighth draft or something like that. And my producer said, Are you gonna have you thought about music? And sometimes you don't even think about music. You well, they don't ask you to think about music. You do as the as the writer, but they don't ask you to until uh, you've, you've, you're halfway through production or something. But um, I said, you know, really, I, I would I would like to write to David Gray, and I know it's a long shot. And it, it was sort of, you know, the ignorance of innocence in a way. And everybody just sort of looked at me a little bit, like they felt sorry for me, and just said, well, go on then if you want to. So we found out who his manager was, and, and my producer wrote to his manager, and I wrote to him. So we, we sent the two letters together. And I just wrote to him, and I said... I've written this entire script listening to your music and if you feel that it's not right for you to do this, then I just won't have any music in it at all. It will just we just won't have a score. I think I sent it to him maybe on the Thursday or something like that, and by the Tuesday I was meeting him down in Crouch End oh at my this car. And then I remember us having an interview later, much later on with the big issue. And I remember him saying, I really literally expected like some scarred white woman to rock up. And then (laughs) you rocked up just because, (laughs) just because it was set in Wales. And I guess the concept of me writing this story about these kids who essentially didn't like black people, (laughs) I guess he just hadn't expected to come from, you know, someone like me. And so, um, I think he thought like literally I was going to be a Leanne, the lead character in the movie, writing like my own life story or something like that. So, you know, he took his time and he he wrote, oh my God, I just remember the first time I heard like the theme song to it and he he called me into the studio and I went in and I sat and I listened to it and it was just incredible. And I remember leaving his studio and just running down the street, just screaming, just like literally screaming because it was so great. But that was a coup. First film that was a coup. Come a
2: weekend, we'll be long gone baby just like the, the flow a Why and what use is sympathy? In a box, somebody's picking the locks. Must want down from the socks. It comes cavalry. From
3: here, the almost see the sea.
0: That's amazing, but it was really interesting. It's it's lovely to think that you had the music had a real connection to the actual kind of you know the, the emotion that you were putting into writing it as well and see that coming full circle is wonderful
1: and it's lucky and I, I i don't know that you know i haven't dared to think well actually the next person was was rachel portman where i thought oh wouldn't it be lovely to get rachel portman for this but i kind of didn't really dare to let that really live in my head because i just didn't think that that we would get there i just didn't think we would we could afford her to be honest with you um, and with David, I guess, when at the point where we went to David, I didn't really even know how much films cost, if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. don't think anyone does, still. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They cost more than they should. Um, and, so, and so the idea of, like, well, what does it mean to have David? And, like, contractually, what does it all mean? And, like, what happens to the music and, you know, all of that? What does it yeah. all mean? I don't know. I didn't know what any of that meant. I just knew that artistically and creatively, for some reason, I... I connected with this this man, and I'm just going to name drop for for one really quick second. But I, I, um, after I did Bell, you know, um, Prince did uh, an after party, threw an after bath party for Bell. Wait, wait, wait! Just can we just take one second? Prince threw you an after party. Did he did, and he played for three hours, which was absolutely incredible. Oh my god. It was so great and, uh, and it was amazing and he had these t-shirts, um, these kind of long sleeve t-shirts printed with like Dino Bell on the front and all these posters up as well. But later on, uh, you know, um, a few weeks after that I got a call and you know, Prince, Prince wants to fly over to Paisley Park and so eventually I went, you know, on this first trip and when I went we sat down and we talked and I had... I had the headache from hell because I was so nervous and so afraid and so and just didn't know how to respond to this person sitting in front of me who had also given me so much just by that, that one concert and I just remember him saying to me, I'm an artist and you're an artist which is just that whole thing. And it was kind of like, it was almost like he kind of let the air out of the balloon in a really good way because all the pressure in my head kind of just released. me. It was just like, just treat him like he's normal, Emma. just treat him like he's normal. And, and I tried my best and things, you know, things got a lot better after that. But it is that thing of kind of acknowledging that art can inspire art and often does, you know, and, and David Gray's music inspired my work. And I, I think it came around full circle when he then said in an interview, I read down
0: his script and it, and it, and it made me want to write a song, <laughs> which was lovely. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh my God. We need to, we need to arrange another episode that's just purely talking about Prince. Okay. Cause, but that's not my focus today. Cause my focus is you and your amazing films. But you say you had a kind of, you know, you were like the dream was Rachel Pullman for Bow and that you didn't think you, you, you would get, her. I mean, what made you think that she was the right person? And, and also, of course she would because it's a fantastic film.
1: Well, I love I love costume dramas. Um, and of course, Belle was really different to a way of life. Way of life was present day and, you know, shot differently. Um, and I love costume dramas. And for me, she was like the quintessential sort of costume drama um, composer. And I loved Cider House Rules, and I loved The Duchess, and I loved, I loved um, Chocolat, which was a yeah. bit different. her music in all of those films and I just what I was trying to do with Bell was tell a story that wholeheartedly in every part of your body and your brain you you knew and accepted that Bell walked down the same streets that Kira Knightley's characters <laughs> would have walked down in any quintessential British drama and mm. um, that this was not a different world This wasn't a funkier world or a world where you might have some kind of modern music playing that didn't exist at the time. This was exactly that same kind of BBC traditional costume drama world. And I thought that Rachel's music really was perfect for that in so many ways. But also, I can't write without music. I always write to music. And Rachel's music makes me feel as does Patrick's, as does David's. And it's just finding those people whose music absolutely makes you feel um, and makes you see scenes in your head. Yeah. just thought she was right for that reason I I thought she was right because this was a woman's story and I really wanted a woman to write the music for it and you know I really wanted a um, a kind of weight of experience in terms of the score I wanted it to feel really accomplished because I was still new and um, and I wanted to to put something together that was slick as slick as if I wasn't new and, and so all the trappings help you with that really. And, and, and Rachel, I just felt could, could, could help me tell the story through her music.
0: kind of a um, contemporary piece as well, I think, for it being, even though it's a period piece in a way, if that makes sense as well.
1: Definitely, yeah. And we thought about that, for instance, you know, I really wanted to, to make a, a period traditional piece in a way, but I wanted it to be cut in a way that was modern. Yeah. And I wanted it to, and you know, look, she self harms in the movie. Um, and I haven't seen a costume drama or a period piece before where the woman in her silks is self harming. Um, and she is, and, and, and I hope people understand and get the feeling Yeah, she was doing that regularly until she wasn't anymore because of the world that she was placed in, a world where society said that she was a burden. And so I, I wanted it to have those contemporary aspects while at the same time sitting in its comfort zone of being just a very traditional piece where, I know I've said to you before, where she, she was an English rose, you know, in
0: so many ways. Yeah. It's really beautiful to kind of um, to listen to the scores on on their own as well, and and then when I rewatched um, a United Kingdom last week with with Patrick's score as well, because the music's got lots of different kind of roles in that film. You got those brilliant scenes of with Rosamond and David dancing, you know, when they're first sort of you know kind of courting and stuff, and I love those scenes as well. They kind of they're really really beautiful, and those choices of you know what they're dancing to, and then you have that. Um, the sound of, you know, when they're in London, but then also when he goes home and the sound of his, you know, of his tribe and his homeland and that kind of getting that right as well must have been, you know, quite a lot of discussion about about the music support that kind of framework of where you were and what you were doing. Yeah. And I feel like Patrick
1: also, Patrick Doyle was, you know, I loved how seriously he took that how important that was for him to 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 be sure to to feel the difference but also how to create a score that sort of um, honored the change that we had now traveled to africa but wasn't sort of patronizing in any way
0: yeah absolutely
1: that that allowed a sense of identity to come through it you know based on his conversations with me based on understanding david the yellowways character but at the same time, it still sat in the world of the, other, the rest of the score. It didn't sort of jump out and become something completely different. loved that he, he honored that and he took that seriously we, we spent you know a lot of what we talked about in our moments where we weren't talking about music was about history and was about Scotland and was about Africa and was about differences and similarities and, and, and identity and what identity meant to him and what identity meant to me and um, that's one of the things I love when you sit down with a composer and they're trying to understand the nature of what is driving you to tell this story and that becomes part of the fabric of the music they compose which I just think is genius and is a a magic all by itself in a way and he he was just expert at that also you know the one thing I feel about history is it's never it's never an island there's no part of it that's an island that sits on its own every piece of history is connected to the next it's surrounded by other histories and so listening to him tell me stories that I had not yet had the chance to learn in terms of his own sense of identity and in terms of his own history and world just allowed me to connect to him even more you know in so many ways and 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 understand what he was doing with the music as well. So it was always a two-way thing. It was really collaborative and he just wanted me to be happy. And it was kind of like, how could you not be happy with this wonderful stuff? Yeah. So yeah, and, and also allow, know when to be small, yeah. and know when to be big. Know when to honor the kind of epicness of this love, of a country gaining its independence. to be small when you're honouring the intimacy of a brother and a sister or a husband and a wife, a mother and a baby. when to find those moments i just think that he was just super cool and you know you've always got a good composer when they say to you but really do you really need a piece of music there yeah no then you know you've got a great <laughs> yes. and every composer i've worked with so far has said that to me so <laughs> you know i always know that I've, had, I've you know chosen the right people
0: yeah and then with um with where hands touch and i'm working with Anne, i'm going to try and say it. kaminsky shemelsky
1: um, it took me a while to get it right. And I always wanted to make sure I got it right. Yeah.
0: and um, Because that was the first feature film she'd composed as well.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, so, strange thing because having not seen many people like me making movies who were also British, I my big fear was, you know, if I get it wrong, I don't get the same chances that someone who's not like me gets. not like I can get it wrong and come back and do it again um, or do it differently. And so... I, it was really important to me for the, my first three movies that I was the least experienced person on my crew because I knew that I couldn't really take a chance of having someone learning while I was learning too because then I, if it went wrong, I would never get the chance to make another movie again and, you know, hopefully tell all the stories I want
0: to tell. Was that a conscious thing then, genuinely? that
1: yeah, was. Conscious, it was genuinely conscious that I had to be the least experienced on set because then I could learn the most quickly, and also, but also, still deliver, you know, quality work. What happened um, when I got to my fourth film was I just felt ready. I just thought, okay, well, this is what it's all been about. It's about getting to a stage where I'm good enough that I can hold, I can start to hold new talent, and feel sturdy enough in myself. Yeah. That we, can, if there are vulnerable moments, shaky moments, that that the work that I'm doing can hold that in a way, and and has the backbone to to kind of support that. So I started on a United Kingdom with my whole idea of having emerging um, talent come and shadow, but that that was shadowing as opposed to actually working. You know, taking up a, a whole role. So Anne was really. I mean, I think on where hands touch, generally, we had obviously had people that were less less um, uh, experienced than I was. But she was the, what, a head of department, you know, a massive part of the storytelling process. And but I had no doubt she could do it. I mean, that was the thing. It was like, like I, I knew it was her first one, but I kind of yeah. we, you know, we recently worked together. We shot um, we shot a Bond oh oh seven um, commercial.
0: The Nokia thing, yeah.
1: With John Lynch, yeah, 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 which will come out when the movie comes out. But you know, it's pretty much it's pretty much a little movie that we had to make for it. And I really wanted Anne to 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 come on board, and 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 I got her on board, and she's done some gorgeous music on that as well, very Bond Bondesque movie um, music. Um, but but I never doubted for a second that she could do where hands touch. It's just I had to get to a, a place where. I could do what I do with all my heads of a uh, department with a new person which is as I mentioned to you previously was sort of be really anal about how I choose them but then once I choose them just let them do their job and, and I needed to get to a place where I could do that with someone who was less experienced than me and, and, and was that person and, and you know it's you know, you've done it for the first time it becomes the first time is always the hardest I think. But, you know, again, it was a really similar process. She was so funny because like, she'd read the script years ago. She must have forgotten it because I remember getting her into the to the cutting room <laughs> to see a cut of it, a version of it, and she was like, she was all over the place. One of the women who was shadowing me got on the bus with her afterwards and said she got on the bus the wrong way home. <laughs> Um, she you know she was sniveling the whole time I was like Anne you know the story you know what's going to happen like she just couldn't you know tissues and tissues and tissues she went through but then and she carried on like that for quite a few versions of the cut and then eventually got to the point where she was just scoring the music which was great it was incredible
0: emotional connection she had with watching it you know in terms of reading it reading it is one thing but in terms of those performances and what you get from it and yeah amazing
1: I think so I think that, that I think that that was what it was and if I'm really honest with you I I, I love a composer who is moved to cry when they're watching the work because 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 you know you're going to get that in the music and I love it in my DPs as well my directors of photography like when they get a bit weepy-eyed, a bit wet-eyed over a scene, I love it because it means it means they get it.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: That's an area where it's easy to get someone who's just very hard and very technical and, and not really delving into the emotional in the way that they could.
0: Yeah. When you're working on, on TV stuff, when there's, I guess, there's a Mrs. America, which I've watched it all now, by the way. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's so good. But music's a massive part of that. And you've got this brilliant theme tune, which is this kind of, version of Beethoven's Fifth which just like it's that kind of funk version it kind of adds instant sass you know it makes you kind of makes me walk taller and sort of you know shake my bits. then you have this brilliant use of um you know there's obviously scored in there as well chris boars done the score who's amazing these brilliant uses of like needle drops and in particular your episodes so you did three and four is that right yeah I did three and four
1: and um you know music wise it's really interesting because so when we're filming um the editor um will drop his music you know his or her music that they that they're sort of holding pieces and so my editor had dropped the holding, his, you know, sort of holding piece, pieces that he liked, that he thought was, were, were right. And I got into, this is for three I'm thinking of now, and I, and I got in and just sort of watched the cut, as in the, as in the editor's cut, and we were going to go through it and really start to really, um, you know, cut it as I saw it. But I just, his music choices were just really great. And I was like, well, we're not changing these. We can't, we're not, we're not changing these. We have to keep these. These are perfect. And I think we might have made little, little amendments. And I do remember going, we had, um. so we had Quentin Tarantino's um, music supervisor because both our producers were, you know, pre, previous Tarantino.
0: Maybe, or, or, or. maybe someone is it?
1: Mary Ramos. Yeah. Ramos. I knew it was Mary. So, 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 yeah, so we had, so Mary Ramos was the music supervisor and um, she had a Dropbox the size of Ghana. And, and my editor, had, you know, of, uh, who was absolutely excellent, had gone through and, and picked, you know, the, the, the tracks that he liked. And then I think he had just been listening to stuff anyway because we were all seeping ourselves in the period and in the music. And, you know, I looked down one day and I was like, I suddenly have three pairs of high-waisted flare jeans, and I know <laughs> I never had flare jeans last week. How comes? And basically, over a weekend I was going down to the shopping centre, and I realised that every time I bought a pair of jeans, they were like they were like nineteen seventies, literally jeans. So we were, I was morphing, and then suddenly my glasses were pink, and then I had a little, <laughs> little parting in my hair, and then I was kind of like, "This is." And then at one point, you know, I was shooting a lot, a big, big chunk of green, and I looked around and I was like, "I look like." <laughs> Like I could just <laughs> hang out in this scene. And so I think we were all just steeping ourselves as much as possible. Like every department was doing that. And this really super cool music, you know, riffs that, you know, Beyonce, you know, uses today in some of her mm-hmm. tracks. And, yeah. um, and But it was it was really important. And I think in a way, for me, that's one of the reasons why the Shirley episode for me, I, it kind of really stands out for me as an episode that, and a little bit of, of, of four as well in, in from a music point of view where we do, we do the black feminists kind of um, get-together at Flo Kennedy's house. Yeah. And we're using, you know, we've got the incidental music there as well because I remember my mum in that period, you know, I was really tiny and they're some of my earliest memories, but I remember my mum and dad, funky as they were, They would put me to bed at two o'clock sometimes on a Saturday afternoon and then wake me up and I'd go to a party with them. Amazing And so I go to a party with them And my mum had this like afro And she was like gorgeous And my dad had his afro And then I inevitably get exhausted of course Within the first hour of being there And I slept all up And then they put me to sleep on the coats in the bedroom <laughs> But everyone and once in a while You'd get up and have a peek At the party that was going on You know in the living room yeah. And it felt like I was just being able to kind of recreate oh. the mu- You know bring back the music of the time And just some of those memories Basically, and yeah. of, of who my mum was at that time um, was, was just lovely. That, that's what the music did for me. I
3: know a place.
0: But the two those two episodes like I think it's at the end of episode three it's the the Anita Bruyne version of the Battle of the hymn of the Republic, the public which is like you've kind of watched the episode and you're kind of like it's every emotion this show it's so great
3: yeah and, it
1: is
0: every and and Darby
1: Waller who's the showrunner and so um I, can't, I think she wrote episodes one and two and then something like maybe eight and nine or seven and eight something like that but she really wanted that, that piece of music at the end and she like even knew the version that she wanted like we surfed on YouTube and we found the exact version and I didn't really know it that, that well you know but the, 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 that kind of um, parallel of the two versions of the women's movement version of that tune and then you know Anita, Anita Bryant um, I just think is genius and was, was so great so um,
2: yeah but it's chilling
0: yeah, really, really is, yeah.
2: My eyes have seen the glory Of the coming of the Lord He is trampling out the vintage Where the grapes of wrath are stored, he hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible
0: and four you've got the um what the world needs now is love sweet love I love that as well that's like yeah
1: and again that's that's just music I just remember that so much I mean what's really interesting about um tv as well is that you know sometimes you you, often actually you you have to go it's time for you to go I had to go off and to Asia for a month <laughs> because it was my birthday and that had been booked for ages. And, you know, tracks get dropped on in your absence, so you don't always know. Yeah. And I think it pretty much stayed pretty similar. But, yeah, everyone's the one I think, you know, maybe they can't clear something or maybe they find something that might be better. They might shoot over to you to ask what you think and sometimes maybe not. Yeah. And um, so you, yeah, that's also part of the reason why you really have to trust the team you're going to go and work with because... Your names on the end, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, till but some say. choices must be made in your absence, so um, but I think that they just did a really great, you know, the whole thing for me is something that I'm the, the whole series is something that I think has such a cohesive, distinct is that I think the word I'm looking for energy, yeah, I, I knew it would be fine.
2: What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. But the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some. Enough to climb There are oceans And rivers Enough to cross Enough to last Till the end of time What the world Is now Is love Sweet love It's the only thing That there's just Too little love What the world Just
0: for some, but for everyone um, Just before we, we run out of time, I'm really excited about Billion Dollar Spy, which I know is kind of in pre-production. You're hoping to start that when we're allowed to start filming. Did you see that big variety headline 15 minutes after we got off of the BAFTA q and I hope Kevin Feige saw it and is kind of, you know, going to sign you up for that next Marvel film. Yeah,
3: Kevin, are you listening?
0: Either that or Barbara Broccoli for the next Bond, please. Thanks very much. Um, you know, I, I will not I will not say no. <laughs> Definitely not.
1: But, um, yeah, Billion Dollar Spy. Mm. I mean, music-wise, I think there's a wealth. I don't want to say anybody's name <laughs> right now because um, we might have to approach who we have to approach. But I'm just thinking today about Ennio Morricone who's gone. Yeah. And, I mean, you know... If he's looking down, doesn't need me to tell him, but if he is looking down, the one thing he can be proud of is that his name was literally mentioned until the day he died. I mean, his name was always being mentioned in terms of, you know, when you're sitting speaking with financiers and you're talking about who might you dare to go to. And that that's the but the thing for me is I, I adore punching above my weight. <laughs> so I adore like going to to, to people who haven't, you know scored a movie that isn't within my budget range for years because they're doing movies that are seven times the figure the and saying that you maybe you'll love this if you don't ask you don't get don't ask you don't get but this is a super billion dollar spy is a super it's a beautiful piece of work ben august who's written the script has written a beautiful script out of um you know from a book that is a pulitzer prize winning you know new mm. york times journalist and it really is it's not a big action thing. It's about two men and it's about their lives and their choices and their friendship. And so the music in itself, we just have so much scope with the music because like I say, it's about those times that you choose to be big and those times where you choose to be intimate and those times where you choose to just be silent.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Which I think, which I think are key. So I'm, I'm really, I'm super excited about getting, getting stuck into that one.
0: Do you know what I loved as well was the, um, this weird kind of, if people so we, we did this wonderful chat this week for BAFTA last week for BAFTA and people should go i think it was made available soon or if not already for people to go and listen to and you absolutely should in terms of if you are any way interested in in making film Amma's Journey is extraordinary and you talk in great length about being an actress and Anthony Minghella working on Green Chill and all this kind of stuff and and what was amazing when i was thinking about it was Mrs America and the fact that you know, towards the end of that series, Reagan's about to come into power and you went to the States for the Just Say No campaign and met Nancy Reagan. This is like a weird world circle of life.
2: I know,
0: I know. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's, it, trust me, it's
1: mental for you. <laughs> it's so much more mental for me because, you know, when I was doing Grange Hill, I was not in this world of filmmaking and you know the world that I'm in today I was not in I was a little girl a powerless little girl you know relying on her mum and dad to put the food on the table basically living in South London and going home to Streatham every single day and you know the White House (laughs) did not figure in my world in any way shape or form and so to get this big well we knew that that there was going to be a trip to America and Nancy Reagan was was inviting nine kids but we didn't know which nine I think there were maybe 27 uh, lead or key characters in Grange Hill at the time so we didn't know which of us would be picked and my storyline didn't have anything to do with the the heroine storyline that then connected us to just say no so when we saw a courier arrived. I mean, you've got to remember this was like 1986 and a courier arrived with a big brown envelope and walks up to the door. And I'm looking out the window, you know, and I see him come through the gate and I run and I grab it. But it's addressed to my dad because, you know, and then my dad, I have to wait for my dad to get home. And he opens oh, it and God. he's like, you are going go to you're gonna go to Washington and you're going to go to New York. And I've never been away from both of my parents at the same time before. So there was going to America for the first time, seeing New York for the first time, a place I'd only ever seen in the movies, literally. And then being in the White House and not, and thinking to myself, in a way, thinking to myself, you better enjoy this because like life will go back to normal. And, you know, this is something really special that's happening really now. And of course it was really special, it was, but it's by no means the most special thing that's ever happened in my life since. My life, I had my whole life ahead of me and I, I didn't know. I didn't know at that time. So there is this full circle because I'm sort of sitting there thinking what probably none of the other filmmakers on the show are thinking because I'm thinking, yeah, I met Nancy Reagan and, I've been, and not only that, I've used their toilet roll. Um, I was thinking because that was a thing deliberately. I knew my mum would say to me, "What was the toilet roll on? So I had to go to the. my oh, mums sound very similar, right? So I knew she would ask, so I had to go and find out, as all of us did one by one. I think they were very irritated by us because one by one we all said, "To use the toilet, please."
0: No bathroom,
1: <laughs> um, exactly. So, so it was. It definitely felt full circle, but also what it did was show me that all this entire period that we're dealing with was not that long ago. Not in my lifetime. It wasn't. Yeah. And that I was there right on the end of it. You know, I was there, I was there before the end of it, but I mean, like I literally, you know, stepped into their space right on the end of it. And, and, you know, it's times like that where you do wonder if there is a sort of bigger messaging that's going on with our lives and, and what we're you know, supposed to do with these lives. I do have to ask myself that question sometimes, but it seemed like a fitting, a fitting full circle moment
0: for me in many ways. It really did. It really did. Oh, I hope we can do this again because I love chatting to you. So I like, can make it weekly occurrence. Oh, I love <laughs> to. I really,
1: really love to. Thank you so much for having me. It's like the greatest pleasure. My husband said to me, oh, "You're going to do a moment? soundtrack? Are you really? Are you?" Different? I said, yeah. She's like, "Like has she actually asked you?" I was like, "Yes, actually." she has asked me. and this is only the
0: first of many episodes hopefully as well so oh, yeah for this sure
1: this is this is great i feel really blessed to like twice in seven days have been able to to sit and have a chat with you so thank you so so much
0: pleasure is yeah. all mine it's the closest thing to sort of normal and being excited about work it's just the best thing ever so thank you so oh, much wow. for your time lovely and I yes love stay safe and um yeah i hopefully i get to chat to you again soon From episode four of Mrs. America, that's Are You My Woman by Lights, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the phenomenal Amma Asante. My huge thanks to Ama for taking the time to talk to us. Her films are, of course, available to watch on home entertainment formats with Mrs. America streaming on Hulu or indeed on iPlayer. Go check it out. It is Fantastic. Head to edithbowman.com to subscribe to this podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes including my chat with Patrick Doyle which I referred to earlier Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please don't forget we also have a little YouTube channel where I'm putting up a weekly show featuring guests from the world of film music and television. There are 12 episodes currently up there waiting for your attention Next up we are joined by the brilliant the hilarious mr rob delaney i very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then in the meantime stay safe